Hey everybody, it's Associate Pastor Jeff Boyette here at Grace Chapel Fairview, and welcome to our podcast. Our prayer for you today is that you will lean into the message and that you'll walk away feeling inspired and changed, bringing you a new perspective on how Jesus is moving in your life. Let's join Pastor Ian. Y'all, it was about a, not quite a year ago, it's in January. Grace Chapel Fairview had been through a lot. We had been in and out of schools, running to different places, trying to meet. And look at us now, we've got a pole right in front of the stage. So <laughs> we ain't fancy. But the reality is, is it has been an incredible year, a year where God has shown up and, and really overwhelmed that which we believed. He, he caused us to go to greater faith. And, and, and it's, it's been a year where we decided, we said, hey, we need to like... I don't know, have a facility or something here in Fairview. And so we decided, I went around and I, and I started talking to different folks. I started asking people, hey, how do you do this? How do you do this? And, and people were giving me all kinds of weird ideas about how to campaign for money and see uh, God provide for a church. And then I met with my old friend, Pastor Steve Berger. And I want to honor Steve today because what he told me in his office the day I came and I said, Steve, how, how do you do it? I got the people. I've got a place. I got everything to do. And he said, have faith. Believe. And trust that the church will do exactly what they need to do. So we're not going to have some big campaign. We're not going to do something. But on one Sunday, we're going to watch God do a miracle. And I, I, I got to say, we did that. That happened. But that's not because we had all this faith. It's because we built on 27 years of faith and dedication of watching God move. So God bless you. So six months ago, this week, we were really believing God to raise $400,000. And this church raised $700,000 on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So that comes in as of right now, there's been over $600,000 has shown up already. There's still about 20% left to be added to that number. You know, people say you got to do a, a three-year commitment cards. So we went, how about eight months? And so um, we did that and, and people have just been so faithful. And, and as that has grown, the church also has said, hey, we don't just want to expect that. We're going to tighten the reins around here, and we're going to start putting money over into an account, saving money for our building. And in the last six months, Grace Chapel Fairview has put $217,193 into our savings account for this building. Beloved, it has been an, an incredible season to see it grow. If you're asking, Ian, how do I get involved? Well, three people think that's funny. That's great. I believe, y'all, 
the church has grown. This isn't someone else's responsibility. If this is your church, this is our responsibility because we're about to build a facility right here. We're actually in where the sanctuary is going to be in this new facility. And it's going to happen because of what's been going on. But it's my faith. It's like, I don't want to just bring $800,000 to the table. I want to bring like a million plus to the table. And so we can get this thing paid off before the balloon payment ever happens. Five years, this thing is debt free, in my opinion. And so... It's been an incredible season where we've been able to watch just uh, some amazing people show up and come together and build this team. And I have no idea where everybody's sitting. So I'm just going to say some names. They're going to pop up and uh, we're going to honor the design team before we show you what we put together. If you love it, it was all my idea. <laughs> and if you don't, it's Rob's. <laughs> Rob McKelvey, where you at? Rob is our architect. He's been amazing. Where's Trent Smith at? Trent, where are you at? Trent? I saw him already. I told him I was going to now. There he is, way back in the back. Give it up for Trent. Trent is our civil engineer. He does everything from the dirt down. Uh, Mark Buchanan is our uh, structural engineer. He's amazing. And then Glenn Dowdle next to him. Glenn, would you stand up? Glenn Dowdle, there he is. So Glenn is our builder. He's actually standing in for Alan, one of the guys with him, but, but, but they're, they represent Dowdo Construction. They're an amazing group from Nashville that's going to be building uh, this facility. And I guess we could show you the weird green spot on the screen. That's okay. Why don't you throw up there the front image of the new Grace Chapel Fairview building? I don't know if everybody can see it. It's a beautiful spot. We're going to have like all the professional pictures are going to be back in the back. Take us through the building. Take us into the lobby real quick. Okay, that's the blueprint. So uh, that's the kids ministry area where you can go check in. This is my son down here running away. <laughs> Here's our beautiful new lobby. It's going to be great. Keep us going. A couple more shots. Another shot of the lobby in there. And there's some guy preaching on the stage, but that's our new sanctuary at Grace Chapel Fairview. So pretty stuff. Lucky for us, though, we don't have cool black chairs. We have uh, inherited the old chairs, the 20-year-old chairs from Grace Chapel. So we're going to have some red chairs in the building. Fired up about it. Awesome. Guys, we're excited. This has been, I mean, this is one of those things people ask me like two weeks after we did all the fundraising. So are we ready? Is everything done? I'm like, this takes forever. So we are finally at the point as of right now, all of our plans are submitted to the city of Fairview and they are under review and we're believing God that next month we're going to get permits to move forward and make this thing a reality. Amen. Awesome. I have been fretting all week how to transition from building announcement to sermon, and there's just not a good one. So uh, we're going to pray together and jump right into the Word this morning. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for your abundance, your provision, and God, that you're not done, that the story is not over, that this is just the beginning. Lord, that a building doesn't do anything but give us a space to really get to work. So God, come and have your way. As we feel the breeze on, your, on our face this morning, I pray that we would be reminded that your presence is here. 
that you're moving in our life, that this isn't an update Sunday or a picnic Sunday. This is a Sunday where the Holy Spirit can do anything. So God, come and, and heal, restore, rejuvenate, bring life, conviction. Lord, give me unction to say what you'd have me say and give us ears to hear what the Spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. So we have been in Nehemiah. We have been uh, focused on really looking at all the different ways that, that Nehemiah speaks to our life right here and right now. And, and if you've missed it, please go back. It's just way too much to try to try to review. But, but I want to speak today on this idea. Has anybody ever had an experience where you get so focused you get so committed, you get so involved in what you're doing that you miss people all around you. You see, it is my conviction that, that Nehemiah is teaching us as we step toward chapter five, this really interesting picture where he has been on the move, he's been going forward, he's been facing adversity, he's been building, he's been committed, he's been rallying the troops, he's been doing everything he needs to do to continue the work God has called him to. And we approach chapter five, and it's like all of a sudden, he just slows everything down for a minute, and he looks around at the people. He recognizes their needs, and he, he evaluates how he can help them. He doesn't get so focused that he runs over the top of them. And so it's, it's important that as we start to jump into this really quick, that we can understand how Nehemiah is teaching us in a day where I believe, I'm not coming to you saying, I'm Nehemiah, help me build the wall. I'm saying, you're all a bunch of Nehemiahs, and you've got walls to build. Yeah. And in the midst of it, in the middle of that life with God where he's calling you to do something great, something wonderful, something difficult, like building a wall or, or, or building the ark. He is like, this is not a season where we're just going to be comfortable Christians. This is a season where you're called to go on mission. And if that's the case, then Nehemiah shows us what to do, but also what not to do. And so in Nehemiah chapter 5, starting in verse 1, I want us to see how Nehemiah approaches people in the middle of the mission. Nehemiah 5, 1 through 5, it says, And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against the Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we might eat and live. There were also some who said, We've mortgaged our lands and our vineyards and our houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. And there were also those who said, We have borrowed money from the king's taxes on our land and the vineyards. And yet now our flesh is the flesh of our brethren and our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. You see, sometimes it's going to be imperative, it's going to be required that as you set out on a great mission for God, as you set out on a great endeavor to see God move in the world around you, that you don't go so fast that you miss people in the process. You see, Nehemiah has to stop down in this moment and he's hearing from the people in Jerusalem. And it begs this question, 
Uh, what is a good wall around Jerusalem if there's nobody left in Jerusalem? You see, how many of us have to get a hold of this when, when we start to, to recognize that God's called us to something great and beautiful and, and, and massive, that, that the people involved are the thing that matters most? You know, if we get so caught up in, in doing that thing, I know I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, that we run over the people, what if there's nobody left? You see, if you miss the need of the people, then we're fundamentally misunderstanding the call of God on our life. You see, Nehemiah understood his main objective wasn't a wall. It was a body of people. And I'm convinced that we have lost sight of this today. We get so committed to working for God, to accomplishing great things, that we miss out on the brother and sister next to us. We miss out on the fact that a mission doesn't matter if a people don't get healed if a body doesn't get restorative, if, if, if humans don't get transformed. And so the first thing I want to say is that if we're going to live like Nehemiah, we've got to take time to see people. We've got to take time and give energy to people in your life. The greatest accomplishment of our church isn't going to be a building. It's going to be a group of people that meet and get set on fire for the kingdom of God inside of it. Amen. Doesn't matter if we have a great facility if it doesn't change a life. Take the biggest ones in the world. There's, there's a lot of big churches out there that have grown strangely dim. I don't care about a building, it's about you. And if we don't get shaped and changed in the process, then we don't get the kingdom. So I'm going to ask the question today. What are the needs of the people in your life? You see, I, I, could, I could stand up and go, hey, what are the big, broad needs? But the truth is, is all of us need to be able to recognize what are the needs of the people in my life? Have I got so committed to my job and my call to provide for my family that I've lost sight of what my wife and kids actually need from me? Have, have I got so focused on, on, on keeping up with the Joneses that I lost sight of the fact that my kids don't even know me? And if that's the case, then we must change. We must repent. We've got to turn away from, from that kind of nonsense, even if it's in the name of Jesus. Even if you're saying, no, I'm called. I got to, you know, there's this, there's this movie, and it's got kind of an intense name called Machine Gun Preachers. Anybody ever heard of it? <laughs> this guy gets crazy saved from a, a life of selling drugs and, and, and wildness, and he gets caught up, and he goes to the mission field, and he gets so committed to the mission field that his family just falls apart. And it's a devastating story, really. And, and it's a pastor wanting to help. He's wanting to change. And he just can't see past the fact that his kids and his wife are, are devastated in the process. And beloved, I'm telling you, it's time for us to, to, to do the work. It's time for us to build the wall. It's time for us to do what God requires of us. And it's time for us to recognize the real needs of people right in front of you. 
What does your spouse need from you? What do your kids need from you? What does your church need from you? What is your job, your boss, what do they need from you? Not just to show up and work, but like, what do they need? Do they need spiritual feeding? Do they need exhortation? Do they need encouragement? Do they need, what is it? But we've got to see people like Nehemiah saw people. The second point is this, that, that he allowed his heart to get moved. Nehemiah 5, picking up in verse 6, he says, And I became very angry when I heard the outcry in these words. And after serious thought, everybody say serious thought. I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said to them, each of you exactly are exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. You see, he got moved and he didn't just get emotional. You see, he gave serious thought to how he was going to respond. Some of us need to back up a little bit and it's like when you start getting moved, you need to give some serious thought to what you're going to do with it. But the bottom line is, he said, hey, I'm not just going to hear about what the needs are. I'm not just going to kind of throw it out there and say, hey, you know, I heard you, but I'm not doing anything with it. He, he stomped down and he said, God, move in me. Let that start shaping something in me. And then he began and gave serious thought to what God would have him do. How would he respond? He allowed the, his heart to get reshaped. Beloved, it is, it's not lost on me that our world, especially when it comes to church life, has observed so much manipulation, so much abuse, so much fill in the blank, that it's my conviction that, that a, the people of God have gotten so jaded, they've hardened their hearts to be moved. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can, we can see a need, and instead of letting that move us to action, we allow that to go, well, that's probably just... They just probably did something I don't, I don't even... You know, and it's like we, we justify hardening our hearts for the sake of being protected from that which could hurt us. And beloved, it's just not God's way. I'm not saying you got to, you know, cry, but like, I mean, he's angry here. Like the emotion's there, but, but he didn't let his woundings and, and the times that he had been hurt before keep him from doing it again. And we've got to ask the hard question, have I been jaded, wounded, or observed abuses that has caused my generosity, that has caused my movement of God in my life to run dry. You see, it's, it's, it's challenging, but it's necessary. He didn't let him, his past stop him from his future. He had surely seen abuse and offense before, but he didn't, he didn't let that stop him. He, he stomped down long enough. He thought hardly, hard enough to allow his heart to get moved. Because when our hearts don't get moved, they grow cold. When our hearts don't get shaped and changed and challenged and, and drawn forth, they get cold. And what does the word of God say about hardened hearts? But when in Daniel 5, 20, it says, but when the heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud, they behaved arrogantly and he was deposed from his royal throne. And his glory was taken away from him. 
Matthew 13, 15 says, For the heart of the people had become dull, their ears could scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Romans 2, 5 says, But because your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of revelation and righteous judgment of God. And I know the context of all those. Like I'm not... I'm saying the day that we let our heart get hard and cold is the day that we start to move toward wickedness that draws us directly out of the life with God. And and we must understand that that's not just something for them to do, but every single one of us have a responsibility to honor that and to say, God, when I see a need, move me. Shape me. Let my heart not grow dim. Let my heart not grow cold. Because the only way you get from Nehemiah's response to us living it out is by us getting shaped and changed and called by God to do something about the needs in our life. You want to start seeing God do miracles, start in your house. Start loving people, seeing people, responding to the need of your family and let it overflow to your church and let it overflow to your city. Let it overflow to your country. We'll watch how God starts a revival at one house at a time because it's my belief that when we see it and let him start shaping it, the only logical response is to follow. You got to respond to it. Nehemiah 5, 8 through 13, and it goes on through the end of the chapter, but it says, I said to them, according to your ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold into the nations. Now, indeed, we will even sell uh, your brethren, or should you be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. And I said, you are doing, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of God because of the reproach of the nations and our enemies? I also, with my brethren and servants, am lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury. I never know how to say that word. Restore now to them, even this day, their lands and their vineyards and their olive groves and their houses and the hundredth of the money and the grain and the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. And when they said, we will restore it, and I will require nothing from them, we will do as you say. Then I called the priests and required an oath from them, and they would do according to the promise. Then I shook out on the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And then the people did according to the promise. You see, Nehemiah He saw the need of his people. He didn't let his busyness, he didn't let the need for the wall to get built. He didn't let the oncoming onslaught of of attack. He had warriors positioned, he had builders building, and he recognized the need of the people right in front of him. He allowed his heart to get shaped and molded. He allowed the conviction of God to stir up in him to create a courage and a boldness to respond to the need. And then he did what he could do about it. You see, it is so important that we ask this one simple question, not what possibly could be done, but what can I do? How can I make a difference? 
I don't know if it's my ADD or what, but it's like you take me out into the garage and say, hey, organize all the boxes I lock up. It's too many. They should all stay right there. Amanda, she doesn't have that problem. She can just, you should see our attic. It was literally a disaster. She, you know, fall break, she's like, I should just clean out the attic. That's something you'll never, ever, ever hear me say. But she likes that kind of stuff, and she has an, an ability to do it. And what can often happen, I think, in the people of God is we recognize there are so many needs. There is such an abundance of stuff that's got to get done. I mean, Y'all, just, just take this one example of us. We're going to build a building. You go, hey, we need $4 million to build that building. Everybody just goes. <laughs> I like a tent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> especially when it's 65 outside. But the question isn't, can you do all $4 million? It's what can you do? One of my favorite quotes from six months ago, Steve said, I'm not looking for equal gifts. I'm e looking for equal generosity. Beloved, that's, that is a picture of what me and Nehemiah did here. He did what he was able to do. And we're not just talking about building, building, and making donations. What can you do about the needs of the people right around you in your life? This isn't a question about recognizing, is there, is there more needs that, that I can't, you know, I, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't get to that one, there's no way I could fix this. That's not the problem. What can you do? Do that. Let's stop letting the, the enormity of need prevent us from stepping toward generosity. Let's become faithful in whatever God's calling us to do. What is your part? And then you trust that the, your spouse or your business partner or your church member next to you, that they'll do their part. And in the culmination of everyone doing their part, we see God show up and do his part. And then anything becomes possible. And so we've got to, yes. We've got to get, get right with this. We've got to get okay with this and recognize, hey, I am called to do great works for God. I am called to, to build walls around cities. I am called to restore safety to communities. I am called to, to do all these things, to build arcs and be faithful and start ministries. And, and I'm definitely called to go to Jamaica. <laughs> but the bottom line is this. I can't just see it. I can't just... Let God move in me. I've got to then go to action and say, God, what's my part in this process? My job is not always to do the next step. Sometimes it's your job to take the next step, to do the next thing God's called you to do, to be the people God's called you to be, and to stand up and, and with courage in the midst of opposition. I mean, y'all think about what Nehemiah did here. He did not just stand up and, and go, well, guys, uh, I'll get you some food. He stood right in the face of those who were oppressing God's people and said, hey, you're exacting usury on these people. This is wrong and evil. You can't do this anymore. An unjust tax, an unjust wage being extracted from them. It can't be done. And he calls them out. And what do they do? They're like, I got nothing to say. So they stopped. 
It took courage to do that. It was another thing to fight for. He already had armies pressing down on him. He already had all the reasons to just go, guys, listen, I don't have time for this. But he stopped. He saw the need. He allowed the need to move in his heart in such a way. And then he acted on it and he was faithful with courage and strength to do exactly what God called him to do. And in doing so, it freed the people of God to be everything they were called to be. Beloved, this is not a time when the church needs people that are going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We need Nehemiahs to rise up and take your place, and let's see God change the world in the process. And so we must take a note from Nehemiah. We need to not let the overwhelming enormity of the knee freak us out. We need to remember that I can't do it all, you can't do it all, but we filled by the Spirit of God can. And the question is, in every moment, God, what is my part at home? Is it the dishes? Is it the lawn? Is it sending mommy away to get her nails done? At church, what's my part? Volunteering with kids, volunteering with kids volunteering with kids, and then using your gift, giving sacrificially of your time and resources. We can do anything at work. Let's not stop seeing and being moved, but it's time to let our hearts get shaped and changed and then put into action. We need to start living differently. Let's start allowing God's spirit to guide our steps and rule and reign over our life. It will be clear because it will be a life of generosity and taking care of one another in the midst of seeing God move and do mighty works before us. And so I'm encouraging us and even exhorting us today. Don't get so caught up in the busyness of life that you miss the people right around you. And as you do that, don't just see a need, but let God start moving in you. Keep your heart warm toward him and then do what you can do about it. And if we all will take that position and that posture, I believe anything can happen. And I believe greatness is before us and the kingdom of God is at hand and available. And we're going to see a mighty work of God right here in Williamson County and beyond. Because a little church in a tent in Fairview, Tennessee jumped off the foundation that was laid and saw heaven touch earth. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We need you. We're desperately aware that without you, we can do nothing. But God, we're, we're trusting that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, and that in the midst of all the big and all the exciting and all the overwhelming, God, we don't want to miss what you've brought to our home. We don't want to miss the people right in front of our life. We don't want to miss those who you've called us to, to love and shepherd and care for, whether it's our, our spouses, our kids, our, our, our co-workers, our employees, our employers, our church. 
God, have your way. Shape us and mold us. Make us more like you. God, we're saying here we are. Use us. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Food trucks, I think, are open. And let's have a wonderful time hanging out together. Blow up should be up here really soon. God bless you guys. Thank you.